Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. third podcast i've ever started the second one with ethan it's your boy patrick we were supposed to make this one tonally different than the other one. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> sorry i didn't i um uh. in nomine patri et fili et spiritus sorry didn't pope that francis just repress people chanting in latin <laughs> <laughs> we can't make it tonally different we can't do it we're stuck on one tone we're stuck <laughs> Much like chanting, it's one tone over yes, and over again. Indeed. Okay, welcome to the Bible Cast. Uh, a long time coming. Uh, I'm very excited to get this whole thing started. For those of you who don't know what's going on, uh, thank you for just now starting to support us on Patreon. Um, my name is Patrick. My name is Ethan. And we host a little podcast called The Crunch, which you know because this is weird it's a podcast to our audience i know but it's a different podcast but it's a different podcast we have to treat it as such we have to treat this as a different child you know like if you raise two kids the same way and you don't Mm. attribute to the individualities of each kid yeah it's gonna be tough here's the thing let me tell you this other thing this is probably eventually gonna be on patreon uh this first time yeah. We're uploading it on a Sunday in lieu of a regular episode so that all of you people who do not support us on Patreon will know what you're missing. Yep. This is going to go direct to Patreon following this, and all the future Biblecast episodes are only going to be on Patreon. So you've got this one. This is your sneak peek. This is your preview. Uh, we want you guys to get a feel for the different kinds of podcasting that we can do. <laughs> which we've already determined that we cannot do any different kind of podcasting. It's called range. We got we got like yeah. like act we're like actors. We got range. We're trying to establish our range. Yeah. So this is this is the hard pitch. We're putting a lot of work into this. Patrick's putting a lot of work into this. We prepared for this podcast. Patrick prepared for this podcast. I did prepare for this podcast. So I'm along so, for the ride. I mean, what I did essentially was I I, I said okay first we're just gonna do a pilot run. We're not gonna commit to reading the whole Bible and doing a podcast on it. But we do want to do something that's similar to what's going on with the Bible in a Year podcast, but with more discussion instead of just like a short homily at the end, which is which is great. Yeah, it's great. It's, and so, it literally is the top podcast in the world. Like we cannot. Yeah, it's it's super great, and I yeah. highly recommend all of you guys watch it or listen to it. But what I I don't want to do is I don't want to catch up to no. the Bible in a Year podcast because I, I think I think it's great to like go and listen to Father Mike and then come and listen to us. Um, if we can ride anybody's coattails, I would choose Father Mike's. Um, so <laughs> I took, I took, I decided, Hey, you know, here's what we're going to do. The Pentateuch is the first part of the Bible. It's the first five books of the Bible. And it's the book, it's the set of books that was the most reverenced by 
the Jews of Jesus's time, they still read the prophets and, you know, the Psalms, etc. But the Pentateuch was kind of like their gospels. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of parallel between the two, mm-hmm. especially in the way they begin and the way they end are, are very similar. And so I, I, I want to take, I want to take a, uh, I want to take a, a journey through mm. the the Pentateuch specifically. So volume one of our Bible cast, and maybe the only one. We don't know if we're going to keep. We're probably right. going to keep doing this. I, don't Who, know. I mean, if, I think it'll, it's it's going to go well. It's going to be fruitful for me, regardless. Oh so yeah, absolutely. If recording a podcast once every two weeks forces me to read the Pentateuch in depth, eh? Yeah, and we're definitely not going to be like the, the Bible in a year podcast is definitely going to be finished releasing episodes by the time we get through the Pentateuch. So right. we'll have we'll have a lot to go on. The other thing that I think is nice about this format is uh, we're going to have forty five minutes talking about the format and then five minutes talking about the Bible. <laughs> um, is that we can let's say we do today is supposed to be Genesis one through three. If we don't get through everything we want to talk about, we can just do another podcast on the same thing, you know, yeah. and it's. We're in no pressure or no time crunch to get through. I know. <laughs> I can't. I cannot do it. Anytime anybody says that word, I'm anybody like, says the word crunch. Uh, like, eh, uh, eh. And you know how you know how many food items in the grocery store have the word crunch in it. I'm just like, ah, that's, that's, that's. I'm walking around like Tobey Maguire and Spider Man Three, like ah, ah, spit, <laughs> ah. <laughs> cinnamon toast. What? Okay. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so I I love the freedom that we're gonna have. I've got this big big book next to me. It's called A Catholic Introduction to the Bible, of the Old Testament. Uh, by John Bergsman and Brant Petrie. I haven't read it yet, but it's it's basically like just a textbook on the Old Testament. And I'm going to be using this to refer to a lot, uh, kind of probably more so after my wedding, when I'm in less of a season of every day is packed to the gills with Yeah, we're, stuff. we're recording this episode and possibly the worst time of yes. the year to record yes. it. <laughs> but I think that's good. I think that's when God works, is when you give him time that you don't actually have. So. Yeah. Uh, the goal is to make this a bit more meditative, a bit more prayerful. Like we're still going to be ourselves. We still want to goof and joke and gab and laugh. Um, but I want Patrick and I to be able to feel free to just unload whatever we're thinking about this. So, yeah. and since you're a patron and you've paid money, you've paid m- money to access our private inmost thoughts. That's how the internet works. If it you is. give someone money, you can have in- infinite access to them. Yes. So, yeah. Do we need to do any more disclaimers or introductory remarks for the not podcast? Not at all. Not at all. Okay. The, the, much like, unlike our regular podcast, this podcast actually has segments to it. So the first yeah. segment is called TLDR, which is in case you didn't do your homework and you didn't read, Ethan is going to enlighten us into what the first three chapters of the book of Genesis are all about. Ethan, take it away. This is going to be really handy when we get into like the chapters of Exodus where it's just talking about how to treat your slaves, you know? <laughs> Uh, yeah, the 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 chunks are not all three chapter chunks. We're yeah. we're going we're skipping a lot, of, not skipping, but we're like summarizing a lot at once. So yeah. go go nuts. So Genesis one is the first creation account, and this just so everyone knows, I'm doing this straight from memory. I, I read half of Genesis one five minutes before. I'm not prepared for this particular podcast. I'm maybe prepared for a lot of them, but I'm not prepared for this <laughs> one. I have a busy week at work trying to sell some stuff. So Genesis one is the first creation account. It's you know let there be light. And then there was light. It's there's, there's going to be water. There's going to be land all these things, right? We're going to get into it, but it's the seven days, God resting on the seventh day. Um, that's Genesis one in a nutshell. It's the story that we've probably all heard many, many times. And even What's if you the have order, do you have the order down? Oh, um, without looking, it's night and day land and sea. Um, vegetation, 
and plants. Um, and then the fourth day is sun and moon and stars. And the fifth day is creatures in the water. And the sixth day is uh, animals and man on land. I'm pretty sure you, you, you skipped the second day. But what? otherwise, you got it. Se- second day is what? Land and sea, right? No, it's air, it's it's water above. Oh, and below. the firmament. Okay, yeah, you're yeah, right. And yeah, and then it's land sorry. and sea. Then so it's you, you land get, and yeah. sea is on the land and sea and vegetation is all on the third day, and then the above and below. I was close. Yes, you are sorry. indeed. Good job. Thank you. Um, and then the seventh day, God rests. Genesis two, the second account of creation. This is uh, the story of creating the the Garden of Eden the where it is between the rivers and all these different kinds of things you've got adam and eve eve being created from the side of adam uh adam naming her adam naming all of the creatures and then genesis 3 you've got the fall so the eating of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil um and then the proto-evangelium uh i know nice yeah jumping a little ahead there but it's the it's the response that god has to adam and eve when they they sin for the first time. Genesis 3.15, Genesis 3.15, the beautiful, beautiful section. It's uh, a precursor and, to John 3.16. And then at the very end, Adam and Eve are driven, driven, pushed, shoved out of the Garden of Eden. And then we get uh, the rest of salvation history following. So a lot happens in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Kind of, yeah, it's kind of important. This, Honestly, I really believe that like what you're talking about with how it's very similar to the gospels. I think people need to read Genesis one through 11 just as often as they read, uh, the gospels. Oh, honestly. most definitely. And we'll definitely yes. get into that in the, in the discussion question. Yeah. I want to put, I want to put a yeah. pin in that. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But what's no, 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 you're totally good. One. And that, that actually, that leads really closely into what I was about to say for my, uh, the second section, which is in case, in case you missed it, uh, in case you missed it. One thing that is new about this, scripture reading now that you've read it you know more recently what's Mm -hmm. one new thing that you didn't notice before now this 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 section is very hard for genesis (laughs) one to three because of how many times i've read this over and over again like Mm -hmm. literally every bible class that i took in college i had to read this but there is generally something new eternal wellspring and all that what's Mm -hmm. one new thing that you noticed while reading this maybe could you go first yeah sure so (laughs) yeah so one one new like insight that I had while I was while I was going through this was the um the rivers that are mentioned are the major rivers in that area of the world. It's mm-hmm. like if you remember from your history of civilizations class, it's like the the fertile crescent was the Tigris, the Tigris and, the Euphrates. and Euphrates. Yeah, exactly. And 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 the um the the rivers that flow from Eden are like the the rivers that that water the entire earth. It's like it's the most important and these rivers were seen as the lifeblood of the region and and very similarly i think i think this it was pointing to what you were saying these chapters are this story this understanding of how the world was created and humanity fell is what waters and flows into the rest of scripture i think i think those those rivers are kind of a metaphor for how this story affects the rest of the world and the rest of humanity wow gosh <clears throat> So my thing that's yeah, new, <laughs> that's really beautiful. I don't know if I necessarily can contribute. I think the thing that's newest for me is probably what we'll talk about 
in because I didn't I really just I didn't get a chance to read this in depth before we started this podcast. You don't have to apologize for that. It's okay. I know. (laughs) So uh, the most recent time that I read Genesis was as I was listening to the audiobook, The Lost World of Genesis one, which I'll probably talk about in our uh, what do you call it? What's the segment after in case you missed it? Well, there's the, there's the TMI section, which is where we bring up uh, a smarty pants, fancy pants thing we know about the section. Right. But then there's just the main the main discussion. After. Do we have a name for the main discussion? No, we don't. Have a, we don't. That's not how we do the discussion in the regular podcast. Why would we have one here? That's a good point. So I'm just going to seamlessly filter into that part of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the idea that the six days, and when I read it after listening to this audiobook recognizing the difference between and this might be going into tmi a little bit but this is what i've got today so the difference between material creation and functional creation and understanding that this is not just god telling us this is how everything happened in a scientific way which is how everyone wants to read genesis 1 uh, since you know descartes right they want to demythologize scripture and make it be something that we can historically analyze uh which is unfortunate because there's so much more truth beyond just what the material truth is but the recognition for me that the the days uh one and four and two and five and three and six line up with each other that was like boom my brain exploded so i would say that that was probably the most recent time that i looked at genesis in depth other than just reading it kind of for prayer and, and reflecting on some truths that I've heard before. Um, but the, the idea that in, on the first day, uh, what's created the, the light and the darkness, right. And then you have on the fourth day, what's created the sun and the moon to, to rule, right. The, the light and, yeah. the, and the darkness. And then you have on the second day, the firmament, uh, separating the waters above and the waters below. And then on the fifth day you have, sea creatures ruling the waters below. There's no sea creatures in the sky would be cool if there were, but (laughs) so you have the rulers of the sea and then you have the third day, the dry land and the separation from the dry land and the sea. And then you have uh, land animals and then man ultimately as like the crowning ruler of all of this creation. And uh, there's so much more to be said about just the, how God created things to have, a functional end, you know, like a T loss. We talk about that just for our own like selves, you know, that our end is to fulfill the purpose that God designed us for. And that's, what's going to make us the most happy. But then when we talk about creation, all of a sudden we like, don't talk about it in that way. You know, it's like, as if we're the, we're the exception to the, to what God did with everything else. It's like, we're created for a specific end, but nothing else is, everything else is just stuff, but that's not the, the way that Genesis one is written. So that would be my, I see why am I, it also it also lays out a fundamental rule of, of of the universal order, which is that the greater thing always rules over the lesser thing. Mm-hmm. The fact that there exists things that are lesser, there, I think there's a fundamental shift away from that in our culture that there is nothing that is ordered mm-hmm. above and below. It's like there's humanity and animals and you know our base instincts and our intellect. They're all kind of on the same level playing field, and everything has its has its like its place. And it's like, you can't, you can't, you know, um, like an animal can't, it's, it's wrong for an animal to hurt you. It's wrong for you to, in the same way that it's wrong for you to hurt an animal. You know, it's, it's like kind of this, uh, I is don't it? know if, 
It, yeah, no, no, I'm, it's not. The it's dog. Not. Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought you were saying like the dog. Dog bites me. Dog is just biting me. Like dog doesn't have morality. What do you talk? Like, yeah, but it's like, about? but it's like, it's like you. There is that's 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 kind of what I'm saying is that like there we see we see respect for nature in the sense that like it's wrong for you to. I, does it make sense what I'm trying to say? It's like the, no. the the greater thing always rules over the lesser thing, but there's mm-hmm. a kind of a fundamental rejection of that where it's like in the um, fall. Yeah, in the fall, but also just right now, okay. where I mean, you kind of see it in the way that we view animal. You hear like animal rights, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as if like an animal has the same same bodily autonomy as a human being. It really doesn't. Now, there's there's obviously you can't do anything you want to an animal. Yeah, but it, you see it more in what what that translates to, right? Is that the greater always rules over the lesser in us, mm-hmm. where it's like our our intellect is supposed to rule over. Yeah our bodies and it and it doesn't our intellect and our our intellectual needs and our bodily needs are seen as kind of equal and we should you know we tend to give more attention to the lower but i think what you'll see what you see in the in the rejection of adam and eve is a rejection of that order mm. of the the, mm-hmm. the lesser wants to rule over the higher the um the devil wants to rule over man man wants to rule over god Man, and then man's body wants to rule over man's intellect. Wants to who wants which wants to rule over God. And it's it's, it's a complete inversion of mm-hmm. the hierarchy of being, which I mean, even talking about it to someone who's not Catholic I'm, or even Christian, I think I think they would they would bristle at that. It's mm-hmm. like oh well, the greater rules over the lesser. Like you mean people taking advantage of, and I think that's the that's the first. You instinct. mean like slavery? Exactly. Yeah, and and that that's and what but what that were what I think that reveals is that like. It's that human that human inclination that started with Adam and Eve that any kind of order, any kind of hierarchy, is slavery, mm-hmm. is evil. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like even in like you see Protestantism versus Catholicism, any kind of authority of man over another man is awful. It's bad. Right. But like this is how God created, created it. Yeah. Created it. Created you know things to rule over other things. Now that doesn't mean that the sun rules over the sky. Is, does that mean that the sun is better than the sky? That like you know the sky is worthless and the sun is great? No, of course not. I think you could make the argument that the angel that controls the sun is greater than the angel in the sky. You know, sure, because there Maybe. is a higher there is a hierarchy of angels of angels, yeah, and they're assigned to celestial bodies. So, you know, do the math, but. <laughs> the, saying saying the angel that controls the sun is like a very funny phrase, you know, like. <laughs> I just listened. The, it's the, the what the picture in my head was the rat that controls my chef. You know what I mean? Yes, like the, yes. the Remy and the <laughs> holding the solar flares, yanking them <laughs> up and down. The I, I I'm quoting theology and insanity. Dave Van Vickle's podcast. They talked about they had a theology of angels podcast where they were talking about the angel that controls the sun. And yeah. uh, I thought that was great. So I was just thinking about that. I love what you're talking Dave about. Dave Van Vickle and Dr. Mike Cirilla's podcast. Don't forget my boy, Dr. Mike Cirilla. Wouldn't it be Shout funny? Out. Wouldn't it be funny if so? Gomer and Dave have that podcast, and then they have their own thing. Wouldn't it be funny if Luke and Dr. Cirilla had a podcast and just kind of completed <laughs> the loop? Anyway, I don't know. I don't know if I could think of two more opposite people to have. A, never mind. This is not for this podcast. <laughs> this is not for this podcast. Save it. Save the banter for the other show. Um, the other thing that's in that Lost World of Genesis one book, which I highly recommend everybody listening to. He's not a Catholic, but from my understanding, there was maybe only like one or two token like Protestant lines where you're like, eh, but it, there was nothing in it that was wrong from mm-hmm. what I understand, right? And I'm dumb. So <laughs> I, th- I think it's very, very good. It was recommended to me by a Benedictine priest, so I feel good recommending it. Um, 
but he talks about the difference between Genesis one and other accounts of creation from Babylonian and Egyptian and, uh, other ancient societies, right? The difference is that in a lot of those and almost all of them as a rule, the earth is created or, you know, whatever is talking about it, mankind, the society, the culture, whatever is created when a, a lesser deity overthrows a greater deity. Right? Yeah. When a lesser creature overthrows a greater creature, either by uh, dominating them sexually or just killing them or uh, using some kind of trickery or tomfoolery or something to get yeah. other other deities to overthrow that deity, right? And so that is so interesting that that's what you talk about because and then you see just through war and disease and all of these things that the that that god or whatever begins to rule over uh whatever it's in charge of, the Egyptian culture, the Babylonian culture, the Assyrian culture, what have you. That, but, the first thing that conjures in my mind is this Bible verse. I just forget. I forget where it is, but it's like God. God says it. Maybe one of the Psalms. It's like, "Do you think that I am like you?" Mm-hmm. Which is just such a one-liner. Mm-hmm. But and especially because the answer for many people is, "Oh yeah," I, I or I think you are me. I think I'm you. Like that. Mm-hmm. That that's the answer that we give to God. Is like, or do you think I'm like you? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's our way. God's Christianity, Judaism into Christianity is this crazy notion that God is not only real, um, but he's one and he's higher than us. He does. He's not yes. like us at all. Yeah. And, and you're so right. It's like, cause how, how do, how do nation states form? Someone dominates someone sexually or kills someone. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, that must be how the world created. We must be living on the body of a dead God. Right. Because yeah. that's and just thus the plot of many Marvel comics. Exactly. <laughs> but it's that look, that horizontal look that then goes vertical first. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm looking at what's around me and that's what I'm going to create my deity oh, based be, on. Yeah. But Genesis one is, is just so objectively different. And this guy like scientifically researched and academically studied all these other stories. So he, he knows, I'm just knows saying it about, because yeah. I've read it. Uh, but in Genesis, it's an account of, it, it's a similar kind of uh, temple liturgical ritualistic text. But the way that it comes about is, is kind of that functional thing that I was talking about earlier. It's not just about, you know, how things came to be and who killed who uh, to, to get there, right? It's, there's a different trajectory. And the way that it ends up is God creates all these things to have function. And then at the very end, in uh, Genesis 7, or not Genesis 7, on the seventh day, when, in the beginning of, of uh, Genesis 2, so God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it because on it, God rested from all his work, which he had done in creation. And so when they talk about God resting, they're talking about God taking his seat in his cosmic temple that he has created for himself, mm-hmm. you know, and that's in all these other stories, the, the God achieves it by dominating and overthrowing whoever was on the throne before. There's always some, you know, begging the question, some, some previous deity, uh, or or just force, right? Evil, darkness, light, whatever. Um, but for this, it's God creates it out of out of nothing, and then and then creates the throne and then sits on it himself. And that's when they talk. When you hear people like Ted Shree talking about Genesis one is temple language, uh, you can always you can almost imagine it in the same way that when you're at mass 
you know, who walks in first in the procession, right? It's the altar servers. Mm-hmm. Hopefully this is how your, your mass goes. Um, it's like your altar servers and then your deacon and then your priests and then your bishop, you know, and if there's a Monsignor in there and if there's a Cardinal in there, right? Like they just, they fit in uh, hierarchically, you know, mm-hmm. and that's how they process into the church. And that's how you can imagine early, early, early um, Israelites reading this in the temple or in the, the temp, tent of meeting, you know, recalling the story orally and having the people filing in, right? The, the people who were servers of the priests and then the priests and then the high priest coming in at the end in the same way that God begins with the light and then moves up to the, to the waters and the land and the plants and then the animals and then finally man and then himself. You know, it's, it's meant to be this kind of mm-hmm. pushing us towards this grandiose thing that's not violent, Right. And then, so yeah. I say all this because then you get to uh, Genesis three and you have the violence comes and because it's really, we tried, we tried yes. to create a world. We, yes. we, we were like, Oh, this is great. We can just, we can just make something. We can mm-hmm. just do whatever we want. Can you imagine an altar server running and taking the Bishop's Zucchetto and putting it on and trying to walk around? Somebody touch on my Zucchetto. That was pretty good. Thank you. I had that one locked and loaded. I, That's funny. I, it was a picture of Pope Francis and a baby snatched it. Never mind. Yeah. It was adorable. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, thank you for listening to this episode of The Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. But yeah, no, you're so right. It's it's this, and and this is this is, it's important to 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 re- reinforce because this is a theme that we're gonna keep coming back to mm-hmm. for the rest of Genesis, and it's mm-hmm. like we can't miss it. We can't read the rest of Genesis without understanding where Genesis starts when man when man decides to try to overthrow God, mm-hmm. because we we tend to look at the rest of Genesis through this lens of look at how mean god is being oh my gosh but or and it, it even if we're not like that that uh, uh, abrasive or or on the offense when it comes to that we're at least a little disturbed by mm-hmm. how god responds to man's rebellion but i mean <sighs> when you see when you see the moral decay of man after i mean literally it takes seven generations for someone to actually be called blessed you know, like Enoch is like, oh yeah, Enoch was, he walked with God and he was taken up. You know, it's like, it's like that we have Enoch and that's it. You know, it's like pretty much everyone else is, you know, Lamech in, in, in is like, is like Lamech in chapter. Are we going to say Lamech or are we going to say Lamech? Cause we got to figure that out now. I think it's Lamech. Oh dear. I don't know. All right. Lamech or whatever his name is. He's like, Cain has slain his sevens and, and was it, is his thousands no no no. i'm, I'm confusing don't don't, and Saul. don't don't jump to genesis no spoils sorry no sorry spoils. No spoilers. We gotta, we're, we're talking about that we're gonna talk about lombic when we get to lombic uh genesis 4 i'm very yeah, excited it's, it's, it's very close very close There's but, but yeah things. it's it's 
Genesis begins with this this order and this beauty. And what's great is that like you see it in multidimensional space. You see mm-hmm. it first in the in the in chapter one, and then in in chapter two, mm-hmm. you see it from the perspective of the lowest to the highest, and then mm-hmm. you see it from the perspective of man down. It's yes. so it's so it great. God's in. like yeah. God's like showing you the different facets of creation, and then man's like great sounds cool. I'm on board, except what if I was in charge? This is a great thing you made, but what if I had it instead? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of, it's it's interesting because it's like, that's how that's how we react when we see things that, it's almost like man was jealous of God. Yeah. You know, I wish I could have made this myself. I mean, mm-hmm. how many times have we had that that feeling when we see someone doing something incredible? Like, man, I wish I had that. Every it's day. envy. It's like, I wish you didn't have that and I had it instead. I love what you said about just this theme of God responding to rebellion. Cause I was thinking about this the other day. People are always like, you know, if God is so good, how come, uh, how come there's evil in the world? How come I have a rash? Well, no, like if God is so good, how come there's evil in the world? And then God, God wipes out the Egyptians and they're like, what kind of God would just wipe out an entire (laughs) people? You're not wrong. You know You're what not I mean? Wrong. Like yeah. it's 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 either it's either God doesn't do enough or he does too much, but yeah. like in all of these situations, God only wipes out people when they deserve it. When they've rejected him, when they've been evil, and yes. God being benevolent gets rid of the evil. <laughs> so it that's the thing, right? That's this whole thing of uh, the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden was a, a pure place, mm-hmm. undefiled by sin. And all of a sudden, the snake entered in, evil entered in, into the hearts of of man and into the garden, which is why you see Adam and Eve being shoved out of the garden physically. Like, they're physically removed from this place that was once reserved for them. And you see, even within their own bodies, they're exiled from, like, this earth because they eventually have to die. You know, they they were not going to die before. So there's this twofold, like, internally, spiritually... God roots out the evil, quote unquote, mm-hmm. you know, by he has to get rid of it, you know? So it's, you, I can't have this in my garden, which is where the good is. And I can't have this in you, which is ultimately why he sends Christ, right? That's why we have Genesis three fifteen. you know? Uh, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. It's literally him saying, I'm going to send someone who's going to destroy the, the evil you know, Satan that caused yeah. you to do this, right? That's yeah. and everything in the rest of the Bible happens because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't think I don't think we should presume knowledge in our listeners of the connection between Sorry. Adam and Eve and Jesus and Mary. You, oh yeah. Let's yeah, let's I, talk about that. Let's talk about that real quick. Gosh. I think I think it's I, I mean the the clock is counting down. There's so much that I want to talk about. We got thirty there's minutes. There's so much we we got to we got to do we got to go through. Like I I can't even get to theology of the body. We can't do that. You know we can't no, do no, that. No, no, we we're, we're looking we're to. looking at the cosmic perspective here, right? I mean, the the fact that the fact that uh, uh, mankind was you know was damned through Adam and mm-hmm. and saved through Christ mm-hmm. and and. Uh, the the sinful the sinfulness of of the world was given to a man through like Eve gave uh, Adam physical death and then Mary gave Jesus life you know it's like the only four people who were ever created without sin 
And like the first two decided to throw it away. And the second two decided to literally embrace suffering that the first two people created without sin didn't have to go through, Mm -hmm. you know, like Adam and Eve were, were created without sin and they decided to, they decided to, you know, be selfish and, and, uh, and throw it all away. Whereas like Mary and Jesus were born without sin and did not have to suffer because Mm -hmm. of like, I, I don't I don't know how theological this is, but like since Mary was born without sin, she did not have to suffer ever. No, she could no. have chosen to not. There was no, there was no. God is perfectly just, and if He had punished Mary, that would have been unjust, and yes. so it like couldn't have been. It wouldn't have been possible unless, yeah. unless she had said, "I am willing to suffer. Let all of these things be done to me according to your word." Yeah, and I mean, like, there's a reason why. Jesus and Mary in, in Jesus' first miracle, the wedding feast at Cana are so intimately connected and she mm-hmm. brings the first miracle to him. He rejects it. She persists and then he accepts it. It's mm-hmm. because he understands that he can't make her suffer mm-hmm. by dying mm-hmm. because she has not done anything to earn. Anyway, sorry. No, that's fine. This it's is what, so, what this is for. It's so, it's so cool. Like what, how, how God fulfills, you know, how God fulfills this. And it's, it's like, it's almost like he planned it from the beginning. I mean, come on. <laughs> and I think, um, I think it's really, I think it's really cool that this, this, this insight that someone pointed out to me, it's like Adam and Eve are pushed out of the garden, but what would you have done? What would you do if you were kicked out of paradise? What would you do? Like, where would you go? You know, like what, yeah. what's like, if you, if you, know. if you're like, here's paradise and here's uh-huh. the wall of paradise. Yeah. How far away are you walking from that wall? I would stay pretty close. Probably not that far at all, which, which puts the rest of the story in, in an interesting perspective. Is it like Cain and it's likely Cain and Abel's sacrifices in chapter four happened right outside the garden. Yeah. Within view. Within view of the garden. Yes. And the rest of the story is about mankind going further and further mm-hmm. away because people start moving and they start yes. building cities yes. that had to take place further and further away from the garden. So like yes. the further and further man gets away from God's presence on earth, the, the eviler and eviler he becomes, the more depraved he becomes. And like the old Testament, you'll even see this in, in, um, in Exodus with the tent of meeting. It has this, um, there's this consistent theme of being locked out of God's, of the place where God is of being, mm-hmm. You can't, the, the Israelites can't go close to the mountain. They can't even touch it because they'll die. Moses, a cloud covers the tent right after the tabernacle, right after they build it and he can't go in, you mm-hmm. know, like David. Is, and anyway, even just David, like the, the, the dietary laws and restrictions and everything that happens yeah. to the Israelites after the golden calf is because God wants to shut them out of the rest of the world because they've mm-hmm. adopted the pagan way of living. You know, There's so much restriction. Yeah. And it's for our own good, but like yeah. the, 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 the gospel, the good news, um, I don't know if you know this, but spiel used to mean news. Oh yeah. Spiel. So Wonderful. God spiel. So good. The, the, the good spiel gospel. That's the good news. The gospel. That's why we have that. Glocken news. Glocken news. Yeah. Glocken spiel. spiel. <laughs> What's or glocken? saying or something. I don't yeah. know. I don't know what a glocken is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you, you were, you really just took us through a journey just now. I had some stuff to say, but I don't even remember what it was. I, I feel bad just jumping around. There's so many connections. That's, this is what I'll, what will be my segue. There's so many connections between what Jesus does 
and what happens in these first three chapters, right? Yes. The whole yeah. wedding at Cana, right, is just a, a an initial the interplay between Jesus and Mary is meant to call to mind just the way. Oh, so this is the other thing I'm talking about this. So the beginning of the gospel of John is, is a direct parallel to the beginning of the, of Genesis, right? There's this beautiful scene in the chosen where John is talking to Mary about how to write his gospel. Yeah. And he's like, where do I begin? And then he decides to begin in the beginning. Right. So so cool. Just the beginning of John is, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. And it starts talking about darkness and light. And like, those are the themes of, of his, of the very beginning and the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. And so you have this textual parallel, right? Cause it's in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the earth. It's very similar themes, similar way of phrasing everything. But then, you have the uh, the days, right? And the days really get me. You know about the yeah. days? Yeah. Patrick knows about the days. I don't know why I'm yeah. asking him. But it's um, – so in the Gospel of John, I'm going to have to like zoom real quick. I should have had this prepped. I should have had it highlighted, but that's okay. So you have your prologue, and then you have the beginning of the testimony of John the Baptist. So that's your your first day. And then in First John 29, it says the next day – you know, and then you have first John 35 the next day and then you have first John 43 the next day. And it's, uh, Jesus, you know, being referred to as the lamb of God, Jesus calling his first disciples, uh, Jesus calls Philip and Nathaniel. And then you have the beginning John two on the third day. So you have, yeah, so it starts. So it's day one is John the Baptist, the next day, the next day, the next day. And then the third day gives you the seventh day. Right? Am I, is that math correct? Yes, that is indeed correct. And so, John, in the way that he sets up the first chapter of his gospel, is calling to mind Genesis and plants you firmly on the seventh day at the beginning of John 2, which is where the wedding at Cana happens, which is where you have this beautiful interaction between Jesus and Mary. The number seven indicating to us covenant, right? This is, I learned this the other day. This is crazy. The other day is in like last year, but like the Hebrew, <laughs> the Hebrew words for covenant and the Hebrew word for seven are, are almost interchangeable. Um, one is like the verb form of the, of the noun. And so it's mm-hmm. Sheba and Shaba. Um, and so you, when you hear about like uh, the, the well of the seven, which we'll get to later on in Genesis, you know, it's like, it could also be interpreted as the well of the oath or the well of the covenant. So like those, mm-hmm. the, when God says he creates a covenant, it literally means like I will seven myself to you. Like that's kind of the literal translation of the Hebrew. So this idea of seven is communicating to us the, uh, the covenantal reality of what Jesus and Mary are doing. And then you have the water turning into wine, which is reminding you of Moses turning the river Nile into blood, which is all kinds of things that we'll get into later yeah. on. And there's tons and tons and tons of significance, like the the blood and the water coming out of the side of Christ. And if you think about the side of Christ, what are you thinking about? You're thinking about Adam and Eve in the garden when Eve was born from the side of Adam. And that's the beginning of the church and the sacraments. And so we know that the church is the bride of Christ because of that connection. Like, and all of this happens and you start to understand all these things when you really understand Genesis one, two, and three, you know, yeah, uh, and I don't know if you had any other 
we could talk about the connections between John and Genesis forever, but one, one great connection is like, it is kind of a bookend. I mean, John, John pulls so much from Genesis and that's why, that's why I think that, that we need to look at the, we need to look at Genesis through, we need to look at Genesis through, um, through Deuteronomy, right. Mm -hmm. As, uh, as like the, the gospel of the old Testament Mm -hmm. because of this connection between John and Genesis, the, one of the beautiful parts about, about the wedding feast of Cana and John two is when the, the head waiter comes to Jesus mm-hmm. and says, says mystically, not, he's not literally asking this question, but it's something that we, we, I, I, I will think we will the, all the time we're going through the, the old Testament. We'll be thinking this question is like, mm-hmm. why didn't you act sooner? Mm-hmm. Most people mm-hmm. serve the good wine first. Mm-hmm. And then after the guests have drunk freely, they serve an inferior wine, but you have saved. He goes to the bridegroom, which is again mystical language referring mm-hmm. to Christ. Mm-hmm. It's like it's it's man going to God and saying, mm-hmm. "Why did you wait until now right. to send your son? Right. Why did you wait thousands of thousands and thousands and thousands of years? All of like like all of the suffering and all of the all of the things that happened between you know the first covenant being broken and the seventh covenant." Jesus is this Adam is the first covenant. And then there's five in between him and Jesus. Why did you save the seventh covenant until now? I'm just pulling out the Katina Aurea. Uh, Sorry. I just have it right here. What's that? Um, the golden chain. Oh, okay. Say I've told you about this. Haven't I? No, it's St. Thomas Aquinas uh, memorized as many church fathers as he could huh. and wrote them based on what verse they were talking about in the gospel. So he found all the commentaries on the gospels from all of the church fathers and wrote them out in order from Matthew to the end of John. Wait, that's super cool. It's, it's amazing. And so I learned this wonderful, wonderful thing. And I, oh man, I wish I would have had time to prep, but I learned this from the Katina Aurea and John Chrysostom was big into numerology. Uh, He loved talking about it. And so the, the six, stone jars were to him the six ages of prophecy mm-hmm. which is very interesting and then it connects with what you were saying because it's it's uh, adam to abraham abraham to moses moses to elijah elijah to david david no i'm not elijah what did i say no moses to um maybe it is just moses to david to david yeah yeah moses to david and then david david to the prophets, david to the prophets. Or the exile, and then the yes. exile to the, and then the, exile, does the exile, exile to the time of Jesus, right? So the Babylonian exile, the prophets. Sorry, I, mi- I mixed that up. No, you're good. Um, but so it, there's six ages there in the way that the fathers and, and Bonaventure have Bonaventure seen also connects those six ages to the yeah. six days of creation yes. with Jesus being, yeah. Yeah, it's, there's, there's so much there. He doesn't explain why the exile is the fish, but it's the fish. I mean, they're in the sea. They can't live on land. Sure. I don't know. I'm sure <laughs> Given they the can't live the on the land, yeah. But the seventh, right, and then you have these these six stone jars, right? The water turned into wine. And then you have the, the head waiter coming and saying that line about, like, why have you saved the good wine until now? To the fathers, the good wine was the gospel. It was the good news. And so you have this fulfillment of all of those those six stone jars, the six days of creation, the the interplay between man and woman, Right beginning and ending kind of in this fascinating, fascinating way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that that's cool. 
I'm. You know what? I. I this is a controversial opinion, but I'm. I'm in on the on the Bible. I like it. I, so there's that. There's the. There's so much that we could talk about. We might have to come. We're going to be constantly coming back and referencing things in Genesis one, two, and three that we miss yeah. as we get to other things. What were you going to say? Much that? like much like the gospel colors our entire lives. Mm-hmm. Genesis one through three colors the rest of Scripture. This is like. Yeah. I, I think. I think. I think we're. Um, I think we, we there's a poverty in the way that we look at this 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 section of scripture. It's because we have the we have the unfortunate uh, the unfortunate reality to face that uh, it's an unfortunate fact that we see uh, things in time that we live in time. Yeah. Um, if you were to see if you were to not be in the Chronos but in the Kairos, uh, there's two different ways. There's two different Greek words for time. Chronos is chronology. Kairos is kind of this like bigger understanding of of time. Um, that might be wrong, but no, that's right. Sounds Whatever. right. Okay. My test is on is next Wednesday. Uh, but, <laughs> um, we have the unfortunate reality that we're, we're seeing things chronologically. So we see the Genesis story as one story in a whole mm-hmm. line of stories. We, yeah, or get your children's Bible out on the cover. There's, uh, there's David, Daniel and a little lion. They're smiling. Adam and Eve got leaves covering their private parts. You know, Noah's Moses Ark. And, yeah, Noah's Ark. He's like, "Hey, I got a couple. I got a couple. Uh, I got a couple of giraffes over here." Why is it and always then, giraffes? I was going to say don't, giraffes. Yeah, it's always giraffes. And then, uh, and then Abraham and Sarah are like, "Oh, we got a baby. Who, who saw that one coming?" You know that that's that's the that's the children's Bible, and it's like all of these stories are all kind of next to each other. They're all Bible stories. And then but you it's have like Melchizedek bursting in. Did anyone order some bread like, and some yeah. wine? <laughs> <laughs> that's that wasn't in my children's Bible. And, uh, Melchizedek as the wacky uncle, I think, is a very funny. <laughs> Anyway, we'll talk about Melchizedek. Uh, we'll talk about that guy. Uh, I, if, 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 I, if a Catholic theologian was writing a children's Bible, he would hands down include Melchizedek. You know Dr. Hahn's children's yes. Bible would be like, and then Melchizedek from Salem, which means peace, which is a precursor of Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Yes, brought him bread. Anyway, the priest uh, king, the only one referenced in the book of Hebrews and in the Roman canon. Anyway. Yeah. We so uh, we, we think of these all things as like different stories, but like Adam and Eve is a is a different story. Mm-hmm. It's a different story in the same way that you can't say that Jesus' death and resurrection is a gospel story. You yeah. can't. It's the whole it's the point. Yes. It's the thing. It's like this is one. It's like the North and the South Pole of of <laughs> of the world. It's like mm-hmm. it's all the all the interplay between Jesus Jesus and Mary's mission on Earth and Adam and Eve's mission on Earth are directly opposed to each other i mean right. like the first person the first person that jesus can that jesus must have confronted when he descended into hell on holy saturday must have been adam it's like this it's like you started this come on it like this ends today like yeah. what you began ends now can you imagine I, there, i'm sure there's a painting of it somewhere sure you know I, there better be yeah if not, I'm gonna learn how to paint, baby. Yeah. Okay. Gosh. The devil's the devil is just absolutely TKO'd in the corner. <laughs> Jesus gave him the people's elbow. <laughs> oh boy. There's so the other thing that I want to zoom in on because I think it's going to help us understand um, the story of the Israelites. Right. A lot of this stuff is the the big stuff, but I also want us to to zoom in on Genesis two fifteen. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to Eden to till it and keep it. So, some more Hebrew, right? Till is abad in Hebrew, 
later it's interpreted as the word to serve, okay? Which is very, very important when you start reading about um, Joshua and the Exodus and the Israelites post-Egypt as they're moving into the land of Canaan and, and doing all these things. Um, Joshua, speaking on behalf of the people, will say, like, we are here to serve God. And it's using that same word, abad, right? So that's bringing us back to Genesis 2.15, which is the thing that God created man to do, which is to till it and then to keep it. So the, obviously the keep, everybody talks about this as shamar, right? Every men's talk ever in the world talks about <laughs> shamar. Um, there's another... It's also a priestly language. The same language is used in the in yes. what the priests do in the temple. In the what is that in Deuteronomy? Yes, Deuteronomy something. Deuteronomy somewhere. It's uh, the expert. no. I think it's in Leviticus. Yeah, which is a joke because everything everything you don't know where it is in the Bible. Oh, it's is in, in Leviticus. It's in Leviticus. But that's a really good point. And that that points to what we were talking about earlier about the hierarchy of things. Is that this language, and then you connect that with the language in Leviticus, reminds you that Adam is a priest, right? He's not just. Like he is the pinnacle of creation and he is the highest, you know, order of all these things, but he's also, and he's, he's a king, right? He's, it's man's kingship over the created world, but it's also the priesthood, right? It's, it's also, there's this duty to offer the created world back up to God because that is the right thing to do, right? It's, yeah. it's to, to work it and to protect it, not for its own sake, Right, but because it needs to be made into an offering back to God. Yeah, and he's a priest, prophet, king, son, bridegroom. That's what we get in Dr. Bergman's class at, at really? Franciscan. Yep, priest, prophet, king, son, bridegroom. How is Adam a prophet? That's an interesting thing. He names all of the animals. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He okay. gives them an identity. He proclaims the he proclaims and, the truth of their goodness to them. Right, and we know that he's a son, and that's Genesis 5 when it talks Ima- about... Image and likeness. In, image and likeness when Adam and Eve bear Seth. Right, they talk about he had a son after his image in his own likeness. Mm-hmm. So we get that connection between image and likeness and the sonship of Adam. Uh, Adam's also called the son of God in Luke. Yes, but if we're just basing it off of the OT, sure, you know, like we can still tell that he's, you know, a lot of times it's like cheating to go to the gospel. It's like, well, duh, like you just skipped ahead, you just looked <laughs> at the answers, you know. <laughs> you put in the back of the book, they got all the even, they got all the odds in there, they got all the yeah. odd answers. <laughs> um, it has only as the even verses. But <laughs> what was the other thing? What was the last one? Bridegroom? Yeah, Bridegroom. we talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, something that, it's something that's cool because in our baptism, we are truly made sons of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are priest, prophet, and king. But you know, we're not bridegroom in our baptism. No. That's something that's interesting. So we're, we're not, not made the bridegroom. Mm-mm. We are made truly the bride of Christ. But what's interesting is that what is, what is lacking in our baptism is given to priests of the church in mm-hmm. ordination. They are mm-hmm. made bridegrooms of the, the church. church. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that the fact that priesthood is so important in Genesis, the in Genesis one through three, the most important section in the old Testament mm-hmm. um, reveals how important the priesthood is. And this is something that I think our Protestant brothers and sisters are missing is the reality of the priesthood. Yeah. Um, is this like, is like they, they, because they do, because they lack a, a ministerial priesthood, they also lack an understanding of the universal priesthood of all believers. Mm-hmm. In favor, and this is something that the Catholic theologians post-Vatican II started to lose, they started overemphasizing the universal priesthood of all believers to the point where the ministerial priesthood started to become basically just the same thing as the, as the universal priesthood, and then they mm-hmm. lost both. Yeah. Um, and so this, this emphasis, the, the reality is like people that are priests after Christ— 
they are they need to be there because they are a visible in the flesh representation in like a sacramental representation way like a real representation of the priesthood of jesus christ which is a fulfillment of the priesthood of adam which he lost in his sin yes priesthood in general very important in the old testament it is shocking to me shocking that anybody can read the old testament and say that god his plan for his people does not include some type of ministerial priesthood. And the New Testament. <laughs> yes, that, that yeah. too. Yeah. But it's just like, God doesn't just give up. You know, like the reason that that Adam is a type of Jesus and Moses is a type of Jesus and Abraham is a type of Jesus and David is a type of Jesus. All of these things, it's all pointing us towards something that's fulfilled in a wonderful way. It's like we can, we can recognize that, but then you take all these other things and you have the, the table of nations and the 70 tribes, right? And for a long time in the church, there were only 70 cardinals, you know, yeah. uh, which is was super interesting. And then you have the, the priesthood and the Passover and the need for priests in order to have the Passover meal, in order to offer sacrifices to God. You have a temple and you have synagogues even, and you have... Uh, prophets who travel around preaching the word of God and all these things. Mm -hmm. It's like, you see all of this and yes, it's perfectly fulfilled. Like all of that comes to a point in Christ, but, but it doesn't end, you know, like time is chronos to your point is still going on. Yeah. You know? And so to imagine that like the Bible was only pointing to just the life of Jesus and not what Jesus established is just kind of crazy because he set up all these institutions all throughout the old Testament to help, you know, till and keep right. The earth, you know, Israel was meant to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. That was the goal. Mm -hmm. That's restored in our baptism. And even within that, even within that plan, yeah, they were kingdom. They were a kingdom of priests. They had a kind of universal priesthood, but God still established a ministerial priesthood, priesthood within their numbers. Mm-hmm. Within the head of each family was mm-hmm. the priest. Yes, of the family, and then that was lost. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this, but I don't know if you know this, but um, the Mosaic Covenant. There's three different covenants within the Mosaic Covenant. I'm pretty sure I know. Did this, you know that? Oh, okay, cool. I, but I I'm very fuzzy on things. So. so the the whole golden calf incident. Yeah. Again, when looking at the Israelites, they would look at they look at the Mosaic Covenant the way we're looking at the Genesis Covenant. It's very mm-hmm. it's very meta, but they see and this is kind of getting ahead again. It's it. But true. the the Golden Calf incident is basically the fall of Adam and Eve of Israel mm-hmm. because they they Moses was like, okay, you're gonna you're gonna be this kingdom of priests and and every every um every the firstborn of every family is going to be the priest of that household. And, or no, sorry, it's the head of every household or something. And then it's, um, oh yeah. So yeah, it's the firstborn of every family. And then they sin. Mm-hmm. They, they worship a golden calf and say, this is the guy who brought us out of Egypt. And God's like, uh-uh, not doing that. Nope. And then um, it's like, nope, it's no longer the firstborn of every family. You've lost that. You, it's now only the tribe of the Levites mm-hmm. are the priests. So now now 11, or it's, it's actually 12 out of the, there were 13 tribes of Israel. Did you know that? I did. The Levites are kind of, they're not really. Yeah they kind of get like, because they're special, they get set apart. Yeah. Um, so it's really, it's really weird, but really it's really weird. cool. Yeah. So then it's the Levites, but then they sin again mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, not, it's not the Levites anymore. It's the line of Phineas is the only, is the only priestly line. So it's like the, because of sin, the priesthood keeps being restricted, 
But then in Christ, it's fulfilled back to where it was supposed to be, which is it's a universal priesthood mm-hmm. with specific ministerial priests. Right. Which and is what the, the Catholic Church And has. the head of every family is still, like, has a particular role. Yes. Yeah. You know, like, all of it is redeemed in Christ in the church, you know? And that's the fullness of what we're supposed to be. Like, you are supposed to be the priest of your domestic church, mm-hmm. you know? it's like For some reason, a, right now, I'm really on priesthood apologetics. That's I'm good. Like, we're, I really want to hammer this home. Yes. Yeah. Ecclesia domestica. That's not just a thing that people say. It's like we need to be a domestic church, and then you're like, yes, and everyone nods in Catholic. You it's know? something. Like, it's something I hear at every. At a, I hear at every parish council meeting. It's like mm-hmm. we gotta we gotta focus on the domestic, domestic church. church, and it's like what cool. Somebody what? tell me what that means. <laughs> right. So, oh man, there's there's a lot. I think we can we can begin to wrap up and we can get into your TMI because we have. A little bit more time. I don't know how long your TMI is going to take. Yeah, it this this one this is one thing that I just wanted to I sure. just wanted to throw in at the end is like I think you were there when I heard this for the first time. But I've brought this up in talks over and over again. It's usually the when I bring this up, it's the adoration talk. You know, where it's like let's really take a look at our father wounds. I'm just kidding. Let's really take a look. <laughs> let's really take a look at like who Christ is and what He's done for us. And it was a it was a friend of ours who said this on a retreat that we were at, mm. and he said he described the excruciating pain mm-hmm. that w- one goes through during crucifixion yes, and how there's a nerve in the head mm. that was struck by the crown of thorns. That is one of the most excruciating pains that a, that a human being can endure. And since we're on the topic of creation, he meant, he talked about the fact that he's like, Jesus Christ knew the word of God knew from all of time. What would happen when he made a man, and that man sinned. He knew that he would come, he would take on that man's body and he would redeem that man through crucifixion. And so when he was forming that nerve in Adam's head, he was forming the instrument by which he would be tortured. Mm-hmm. And that, that understanding that renews the, the amount of, the, the understanding of like what a labor of love creating mankind actually was. Yeah. This formation of the human person, the body, the body that he knew he would take on and, and be persecuted in, be, like he would suffer through this body. He diligently and lovingly cared for. And like, that's the God that we serve. Mm-hmm. It's not a God who's haphazard. It's a God who knows what he's doing. Like he, he understands when he makes a human person that's capable of suffering. He knew that he would take on that suffering. And it completely gets rid of that pagan notion of a God who delights in our suffering and only exists to serve himself. Mm-hmm. It, it completely gets rid of that notion when you're like, wait, when God took on flesh, he understood what he was doing. He was willingly and openly suffering so that even though we willingly chose suffering because we thought it was good for us, he was like, that's okay. I'll choose what you chose. I'll be there with you. Yeah. That's a dad, man. That's a good dad. It's a freaking good dad, dude. Freaking good dad. I love it. Was that your TMI? Pretty much. I, I, okay. I, the TMI section kind of got lost to me because I got excited. But That's all right. It was probably, I think what I wanted to bring up was before. <laughs> we'll have TMI next next week yeah, or we'll next, time. Time, we, next we, time we upload this BibleCast. BibleCast coming out on a semi-regular basis. Like I said, I'm getting married in three weeks, uh, going to be on a honeymoon, going to have to figure out what we're doing on the crunch for that time. For patrons... You're going to be hearing a lot more of this and we're going to just get better and better. And I'm going to dedicate myself to learning more and more and more. Patrick's going to dedicate himself to just teaching me the things that he's already learned. Uh, I probably have to learn more too. Yeah. I mean, we all have to learn more, 
but we're we're going to take this pretty seriously and, and put a good amount of work into this because we think it's important. We want you guys to have good conversations that flow out of this. Like this should not just be like, oh, I listened to it. That was nice. And you know, see ya. It, That's what the Patreon great Facebook group is for. Yeah. It's for it's, this now. It's meant to be something that drives you deeper and deeper into prayer and understanding of who the father is, how he relates to you through the son and wants to lift up your humanity in the spirit. Like that's the whole point of this whole thing mm-hmm. is to, let's, let's, let's do theosis on this podcast. Let's read the Bible. This is a, <laughs> this is a pro Bible podcast. podcast. Dave, Dave Van Vickle, Dave, the machine Van Vickle said, <laughs> said something on, on every knee shall bow on an episode. I was like, he's like, he's like, no saint. You'll never hear of a saint. There, where they say, yeah, he made it all the way to sainthood, but it's kind of weird. He like he didn't know his Bible. He didn't ever read. Like it. he didn't even either, he didn't even read the Bible, and that's that's crazy because a lot of saints were illiterate and they still understood and knew and memorized scripture because they heard it, they listened to it all the time, and so yeah, just just immerse yourself in scripture. And if you if you have trouble reading, like sitting down and reading, that's okay. You know who didn't know how to read? A lot of people that followed Jesus mm-hmm. when he was around. You know, a lot of them didn't know how to read. Just that is what Father Mike's podcast is for. It is for. It is the oral tradition of the church. It is high quality trad. Okay, yes. let's let's listen to the let's let's read the Bible the way it was supposed to be read in our ears. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to create some new music for this podcast. I want this to be. <gasps> so different yeah, yeah, yeah. so so they're not even going to hear the crunch theme music not even going to be the, sunday wow the or they didn't already yeah and then we're going to outro with something dj different. pillowcase is dropping a new track for yes, the first just for time. the bible cast well, look at you bo burnham taking a five-year hiatus <laughs> what can justin you do? bieber was also a good joke he also took a five-year hiatus everyone took a hiatus while i was in college really i think nice that moment. i think you just stopped paying attention <laughs> No, Justin Bieber and Bo Burnham both tar- started a hiatus in 2015 when I graduated high school. Huh. Yeah, they haven't released anything. Well, if you if you Bieber listen started. to this podcast and you're not a patron, and this podcast inspired you to become a patron, to continue justifying the amount of time that Patrick and I are going to spend on this podcast, yeah. please, please, please go to patreon.com slash the crunch. Throw us five bucks. That's that's all we're asking. Five bucks a month gets five you this podcast. Five bucks a month gets you this podcast we really, really, really want to put a lot of time and effort and energy into it. And if nobody supports us and we're staying at the same level of patrons after we do this first run, that would that weighs into our decision of whether or not we keep doing it. You know, yeah, like yeah. this is something that we want to do and something that we want to be fruitful for you and for us. So I have a I have a the, volume one of the Bible cast has a list of uh, has a list of sixteen episodes. They all have yeah. they all have different names. This one is called Beginning. Uh, next time is called downfall where we really dive into the reality of sin and what happens afterwards. Yes. Not just, not just sin itself, but like what each individual mm-hmm. generation of sinners <laughs> of evil people means. So yes, hopefully we can, hopefully I think we can record every other week. Not, not starting now because of your wedding, but yeah, but I think, I think this will be a regular, semi regular thing, but that means we won't be finished with this first volume one of the, of the Bible cast for a long time. So yeah. So start in. giving now and, and let us know. Yeah. So show us that this is something that you want. Because <laughs> we, the amount of prep that we put into the crunch is negligible, which is why we do it for free. Because yeah. it's, and it's also <laughs> fun, you know, like it's a, it's a fun thing that we enjoy doing. Not that this is also fun, but this is just like work. <laughs> it is indeed. I, so, I, I was stressing about it. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick more so than I, but probably I'll stress about it in the future as well. That's, that's my whole pitch. That's all I'm going to say about it. I love all of you so very much. Um, We're not going to end the podcast like how we end other podcasts. 
No, obviously not. Yeah. We're just going to say, we're going to have a phrase that Patrick's going to come up with right now. Oh, uh, everyone read your Bible because that's the thing that's going to help you get to heaven the most is, oh, sorry. No, here's what we got. Here's what I got. Here's you make got it pithier it. a little bit? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.